This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, how's it going? It's good. Well, today we're going to talk about one of the cliches that I was most excited to talk about, which is the last half of season two's propensity for just defaulting to this alien planet just happens to be exactly like earth yeah whether whether in the past or an alternate past or an alternate future it's just like earth and we're not really gonna bother explaining how it it came to be well sometimes they do and other times it's kind of questionable and even when they do it's kind of questionable well it's definitely questionable (laughs) each one of course is I, i had forgotten but even in bread and circuses each episode, the culture isn't the fault of Federation and Bread and Circuses. But the alternate cultures are, are the fault in Peace of the Action and Patterns of Force. Even if you take or leave the Prime Directive, it's, it's probably a bad idea to uh, start Nazis in, in an alien planet. Maybe, yes. I, I, think, I think history on Earth has proven that Nazis on any planet, probably not a good idea. Yes. Yeah. Even if you take into account science fiction. Yes. How. Though I think a science fiction, any kind of science fiction show that portrayed the Nazis or Nazism or that cult, that kind of concept in a positive light would probably be frowned upon. Yeah, I don't think that that would work out too well. I don't think, I don't think you'd get a lot of fans that way. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, yeah, no, I'm not even going to go there. So we're going to be talking about three of the episodes, uh, the, the three biggest offenders i would have called them the let's see what paramount has in the back lot but after reading the the memos and stuff in in cushman's book on season two i found that these were all concepts that they'd already had or that other people had come up with and it was in no way uh budget stretching even if they ended up uh stretching the budget with with some of the costumes it wasn't like let's write an episode around this costume that I found in the in the back lot. Well, but at the same time, I think when they were coming up with these ideas, whether or not it was in the memos, there was sort of a thinking of not let's see what's on the back lot, but I know what's on the back lot. We've gotta have <laughs> a lot of gangster costumes. Let's do a gangster <laughs> planet, you know? I think that and I mean that's actually in the Bible of the show. Yeah. Know? Well, the first one that we'll we'll go through is Bread and Circuses, which really doesn't recycle that much uh, uh, costuming-wise. There are some terrible plastic, you know, helmets and so forth. The episode is actually pretty interesting with the... Uh, I mean, as, as far as you can believe the, you know, theory of, of parallel Earths, um, we've got a Roman society that never fell, and they... Even though the Romans never fell, they somehow developed English. And mm-hmm. it's actually pointed out in the episode that they are speaking English. Mm-hmm. 
mostly so the pun of the followers of the sun, sun pun would work because it would be hard for the universal translator to, the chances of a, a parallel society coming up with an alien language where the, the thing your planet orbits around and the male child of you is, uh, is the same word, sounding word. That would that'd be, that'd be a stretch. Yeah, I can buy, you know, an alternate uh, planet where, where there is an alternate history where, you know, the, the Roman Empire never fell and everything like that. But the idea of another language where sun and sun are both pronounced the same way, no. No, yeah. that's just, that's crossing the line right there. Which is why they just made him develop English, which makes is, a lot is more just sense. as bad as Stargate. But <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, so we've got a lot of Gladiator stuff in this episode. Not so much recycled because they came up with the idea of it being more a skewing of television than you know a Sliders esque what if situation. And they, and they focus on the on the TV parody thing so much that NBC was telling them to cut back a bit because <laughs> they were going to broadcast the gladiatorial games in living color which was uh nbc's catchphrase for their color shows so they had to change it to just in color oh yeah because because they were like wait a minute you're making fun of us with this and and the quest for ratings and making people fight for them the but the federation in this one they got caught in in these games and forced to uh this captain is forced to sacrifice his entire crew uh, in the in the gladiator games in the hunger games no wait so uh, it's not really his fault and you know kirk is just like checking on him so it's it's not really it's not the federation's fault that this this society exists which is more than we can say for the other two we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. but but bread and circuses it it's not it's not terrible. It's not overly good. And I'm grateful that it's not, you know, an entire ripoff of what's in the back lot this week uh, episode. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, Mark Cushman, I think, telling us that uh, the original concept for, for the episode was to be a lot more humorous. And I kind of would have loved to have seen that version of this episode i still think that the episode works okay it's not one of my favorites but i think it's decent isn't this the episode where we get mccoy telling us that he's a doctor not an elevator i, I don't know i think so because he's like <laughs> it help, could be because he's like helping the woman down some rocks or something right? no no that's that's friday's child oh same thing whatever okay so it's not wait that what one. that's not the same okay. thing <laughs> whatever they're all the same because it's helping a pregnant lady okay that's what the yeah i just see son and uh, I, I get i get oh them all okay confused, you know they're all the same <laughs> <laughs> but you know this is kind of a case of uh what they had pitched in the original bible which is like the many worlds theory i think is what they call it right where mm-hmm. it is like a scientific theory where you know, if the universe is infinite, then there are um, infinite uh, possibilities. And that means that somewhere out there is another Earth where, you know, everything is the same except Barack Obama was not elected president, you know? And that's like, okay, well, then if that happens, then everything else is different, you know, that, that kind of thing. Mm. 
the problem, of course, with this whole you know concept is that you're not going to be able to find any of those in our galaxy. And I know that the original series had some scale issues, but even if you were to expand it, you're not going to find any of those in your lifetime or your kid's lifetime or anything else to infinity's lifetime, yeah. you know? And so, maybe you'll find one. Yeah, and that would be really freaking weird, and that would, like, blow your mind, and it would be, like, the biggest, you know, scientific discovery in the history of mankind. But it's TV, so I'm willing to yeah. accept it. Like, you'd think they'd be freaking out more in Miri when they find a planet that not only is Earth-like, it has the same continents. Yeah. And they're just like, huh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I guess, you know in this universe in the star trek universe there's a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of them chances are much higher yeah yeah i mean i guess it does exist right i mean somewhere out there there has to be another place called earth where two people named drew and mike are sitting here talking about star trek and the only difference is that you're wearing a kill bill shirt and i'm wearing an indiana jones shirt instead of the other way around oh See, that's very Sliders-esque, and, and the problem I always had with Sliders was, okay, every decision anybody makes creates a parallel world. Why couldn't they have slid into a world where that was the case? Today, we're, we were wearing different shirts. Yeah. And, like, and that's the only difference. No, they always find something where you know the Golden Gate Bridge is blue, and everybody's evil, or they never discovered penicillin, or there are dinosaurs. It's like, wait. Right. Yeah, I know. Like, like Max was describing it to me at one point, and he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, there's going to be another Earth where it's like the same as here, except there's going to be one atom, which is turned like 90 degrees to the right, and that's the only difference, you know? And it's true, <laughs> but... It's crazy. Yeah. I guess the universe is pretty big, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. Especially multiverse, if you go inside parallel dimensions. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing in, in Cushman's book here is a quote from Robertson, uh, the, the NBC guy who, who would uh, comment on the scripts and so forth and, and give story ideas even. He really wanted to see this. the network wanted the series to succeed. And... This this is really great for uh for uh bread and circuses. Robertson said, "This should be our final story of the forthcoming season in which we update or attempt to go back and examine a society, system, or civilization of the past." While this is not exactly a time tunnel type gimmick, I strongly believe that while such stories may be intriguing to write and do contain a certain amount of visual excitement, they can become tired. And, carried to any further extreme, such stories could give Star Trek a feeling of duplication or similarity. We both know that we can find the type of action-adventure stories we were looking for without overdoing what I think is an easy way out to create excitement and appeal. Which is great for, you know, the third episode of that season, where they had done that, and the, you know, third of eight of the whole season, <laughs> where they continued to do that. So... Didn't exactly take the network's advice on, on that one. No. Which is kind of weird because, I mean, and it's interesting, and, and it, it kind of shows that, that uh, Robertson, that was his name, right? Robertson? Mm -hmm. Did have a, a good idea of what the show was, and he wasn't just sort of like a uh, money-minded yeah. money you know, studio head because you would think that the note from the studio would be like, 
this is good. And by good, I mean cheap. Let's do this again next week. You know? <laughs> exactly. That's cool. That's cool. The next episode that we'll cover really quick is a piece of the action. We've already discussed a piece of the action a couple times. Uh, we did a commentary on it. We pitched it as a movie with Max. But uh, it's kind of the the big offender, I think. You know, it, it uses the New York sets. It uh, For Chicago. It, you know, right. Of course. It's terrible. <laughs> it uses the New York sets. It, it, it uses, you know... All the background characters have the same hat. Like it, it's it's obviously uh, was very cheap for them to make. They they had they didn't use the sets, but apparently the the set designer had worked on the Untouchables, so uh, you know he had experience doing the whole mob set dressing and building the sets and stuff. Which you'd think that there was probably something filming at the time that could have just been like. I mean, if I was doing a series like this, I'd be like, hey, what are you guys shooting? Mission Impossible? Mind if we use this set? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That happens occasionally. Crossovers. That'd be really cool. I think they did that with Raiders and Das Boat. Did they? Yeah, because they didn't have enough money to buy the boat for Das Boat. And then Raiders of the Lost Ark is like, we need a boat for one scene. And we've got tons <laughs> of money. So let's pool our resources. So the boat in Das Boat is also the boat in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Huh. Yeah. But a piece of the action again. We've got uh, we've got Federation influence, but this is before the Prime Directive, and they left behind the uh, Chicago Mobs of the Twenties book, which somehow the uh, the natives learned to read and to adapt. And you know, we've already made fun of them for figuring out how to not only like guns but manufacture guns and cars and things that I'm sure which weren't fully explained in the book. Like how a combustion engine works. <laughs> to be fair, it was a really big book. It it was very big. And it's in Enterprise in an episode. Mayweather has one on his shelf. Really? He does. Is it that, possible? That's cute. Is it possible, since this was a, you know, future book, that maybe it was some sort of advanced holographic iPad thing with like tabs that you could click on where it's like combustion engine and then you click on that and there's like a hot link and then it tells you how to build one it it could be but but each mob boss has a copy well maybe, maybe there's a thing maybe with it like, manufactures itself yeah like holographic books and then you click on that <laughs> and it's like here's how you make holographic books push this to self replicate bloop yeah could be, could be. Yeah. But again, this isn't, as cheap as it was to make, it's not like they were digging around and being like, oh, look, fedoras, we should do a 20s episode. This, was, like you said, was in the story Bible. It was, uh, you know, one of the first concepts of, uh, I think it was called President Capone. Mm -hmm. and, and it was going to be more of a direct parallel. It wasn't going to be, you know, influence and, and, you know, discussing the prime directive and stuff. As goofy as the episode is, it does... Uh, it does cover the Prime Directive and how, how important that is and how sometimes you have to play along with the natives in order to limit your influence over their society. Yeah, and, and even though like this is something which was a concept that they had going back to the beginning, I don't think that we need to you know uh, assume that they were being completely innocent in this and not thinking about money because I think when they were creating that Bible and they were creating their show ideas and stuff like that, they made a conscious effort to say, 
what's a story that we could do where we're using these things right. that we can show the network to show that we can do this on the cheap you know well the 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 story bible the the pitch thing flat out says right it, it flat out says look all the aliens are going to be uh you know we're going to have some kind of evolutionary theory that everybody evolves to look like humans mm-hmm. and it's going to make things really easy for you guys yeah and the network's like what what did you think we were going to do <laughs> of course you are <laughs> no but yeah yeah I mean, so I, but I do think that, you know, they were like, yeah, here's this idea that we have with this many worlds theory. And here's an example of what we would do with that. Makes sense. But he couldn't have predicted that they would be able to use the Paramount backlot after they got bought out because they hadn't gotten bought out. I'm sure they could have just gone there and used it anyway. Yeah, I'm sure they'd figure it out somehow. Yeah. I'm sure it was cheaper after they got bought out. Yeah. Than it being like a cross studio promotion thing. Mm hmm. So yeah, that's that's a piece of the action. If you if you want more information, you can find uh, our other episodes on it and and our thoughts on it. But I, I felt like it it needed to be included in this cliche set because it's it's kind of you can't not mention it, and we get we get in trouble if we don't mention things. Yeah. Which I'm not mentioning all of them. Let me say that right now, because as we do get letters of people being like, well, you forgot to mention this episode. Well, no, we're just trying to focus on three episodes at a time so that we don't overload ourselves with uh, trying to keep the episodes straight. <laughs> sometimes we don't pick the, the three um, best examples of that, though. And yeah. sometimes we're like, ah, that was bad. Yeah. Like with the balance of terror thing in, in our uh, racism yes, episode. Yes, we forgot balance of terror in the racism yeah. episode. And that is that was a big mistake. So continue to call us out on these things. Right. But don't be upset. Just be helpful. <laughs> uh, the last episode we'll talk about today is Patterns of Force, which uh, deserves a bigger conversation because of, of Nazism and, and, and that whole idea and the idea that maybe we can do it right this time. But it's, it's, it seems to be, even though, again, you know, none of the memos are just like, hey, we found these Nazi uniforms left over from you know, all these movies people will be making. So let's, you know, use them. It's, it's a genuine story uh, about a Federation historian who decides that he can, he can make the society better. The society's tearing itself apart. And so he's like, look, you know, we can be efficient and make the trains run on time if we maybe pattern ourselves after this. I don't see why he had to pattern it exactly after the Nazis. <laughs> like, you can have that concept and not have the swastikas and the SS uniforms and, you know, the banners and the, the parades. and the, You can do it other ways, I'm sure. I've not thought of it. I'm not Anakin Skywalker. I don't, I'm not going to overthrow the galaxy because I think one man could do it better. Yeah. But what you're saying does make sense. Some of these things, some of this iconography. You'd think that maybe if he was thinking, we're going to do it right this time, maybe he would say like, Maybe we shouldn't use a lot of this, you know, iconography, which is associated with this other thing. Not that those people yeah. would necessarily, you know, but... No, they wouldn't get it. Still, you think that he And maybe like, he started without the iconography, and they, you know, picked up his books or whatever, his holographic Nazi books. Yeah, yeah, that could be. And it was just like, hey, we can keep going like this. They did this. That seems cool. Yeah. And then they stopped reading it, apparently, before they got to the end. They stopped reading before it fell apart. <laughs> they got to the part about the burning of the books, and then they were like, 
Oh, wait. Oh, wait, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. It completely threw me off. Now, uh, and of course, it, it does make it cheaper. Them using all the iconography means you don't have to make Nazi-esque banners that mm-hmm. don't have swastikas. Yeah. I guess there is a budgetary thing. And there's also, I mean, the thing that we need to keep in mind here is that this is a work of art, you know, and and this is something which is trying to communicate a message to people. And that iconography is so powerful, you know, in our society that you throw that up on a screen and it's going to be an instant reaction from the audience, you know. Mm -hmm. So creatively speaking, whatever the reason is behind them doing this, in terms of the the story logic, like the reason behind them doing it in terms of creative logic is is very sound and strong, and sometimes you can't pack a completely story logical reason into a fifty minute television show. Yeah, yeah, and it and it helps with the the sale of said episode. Yeah, like the the promotional stills of you know Kirk in a Nazi uniform is powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for the audience, if it was something like, oh, you know, they find a planet that's like Nazis, but not really, uh, it would be harder for them to sell. I this episode, I think, to me, contains the biggest like blatant reuse of of uniforms from other movies because like the the hero uniforms hero that's stretching it the 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 biggest quality costumes that keep closest to the camera hero in the were, costume sense <laughs> right yeah well kirk's wearing them so okay I mean, yeah, yeah that's of, that's that's true yeah but the biggest thing is that uh the uniforms that they wear are for hitler's personal bodyguards mm-hmm. that and they even have adolf hitler bands that say have his like a signature on them mm-hmm. Which shows that they're exclusive, you know, Adolf Hitler bodyguards. And they get these uniforms from just, like, random people. Yeah. So it's just like, well, these are the nicest uniforms we have. Right. What are they, you know, what were they used for? Who cares? So I I guess that's what they just did for, you know, we can we can bring this back in universe. The, the historical book only really had a close-up of this one uniform mm-hmm. oh, so yeah, that's that the be. uniform that they replicated that makes sense. they don't speak english so you know the name the name on the band doesn't really enter into them or, or it makes just as much sense to them as the swastika yeah yeah could be okay i'm i'm complaining and then justifying it to myself they think that it's like a brand name like calvin klein oh there we go yeah <laughs> let's slide to that alternate universe where adolf <laughs> hitler designed clothes <laughs> yeah that'd be weird but had they kept um the all the nazi paraphernalia stuff out of it they would have been able to have aired this episode in germany before 1999 yeah that's crazy which is crazy but mm-hmm. i can i understand yeah, why I, they would, would push it back but. yeah i guess if you need to sacrifice a single episode of star trek in order to sort of maintain your society that's a reasonable uh <laughs> reasonable thing to do a reasonable choice to make yeah i'm i'm i think of of these three this one is the one that makes the most sense they had i mean the most sense of 
as to why it was identical to Earth, in that a guy was designing it to be as identical to Earth as as he could. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, well, we found this book, or, you know, oh, we just happened to have evolved exactly the same way, but the Roman Empire never fell. Right. There was actually a guy who had a plan. Yes, yeah. to to make it exactly like that. So, right. I mean, I'll give it that. They they figured out the story elements, you know, eighth time around. You know, they might as well have figured it out. <laughs> it, it's it's hard work, you know? But if you keep at yeah. it, eventually you'll crack the code. And then you can do episodes like Fairhaven. Yeah. See? Once you get a holodeck, you can do whatever you want. Yep. Or you can do like the one where the... Uh, Voyager crew is the French resistance against those hunter people. The Hyrogen. The Hyrogen. The Hyrogen, yes. I can pronounce things. <laughs> well, it was fun talking about parallel Earth development today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. They, they look at the original series episodes. And they see thematically what it is that works, and they pick that in order to explore, like, a different side of it. Earl Grey. No, do you guys seriously no. not know why they have red and green lights? No. Not all of us have read Ships of the Line. Okay, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, is this a I'm Ship of the Line? Up... I'm only in, like, chapter no, one. No, no. I'm talking about, like, real ships today. Have no. you been on a ship, Darren? The Orb. Them being adversarial, I, I don't think necessarily was the only way they could have gone. Um, it makes for a great story, but it just made me wonder, just in a possible universe, what would have happened? I think it's important, though, that she, as the religious leader, is not sold on the idea that this outsider is their emissary. To the journey! Endgame cannot make my list. <laughs> I, uh, I don't have as much hatred for Endgame as you or apparently everybody else does. Oh, I've, not that I'm bitter or anything, no. Warp 5. So I would argue in the case of what Paxton is doing here in firing a weapon at San Francisco, which luckily missed and went into the bay. And I don't know if, I guess George and Gracie aren't there right in the 22nd century, so they're okay. But The ready room. They could have really diverged with what we knew of Will and made Thomas's own unique character. I mean, he is, but like, if we can get multiple Burial episodes, why, you know, why can't Thomas Riker have more than one episode? <laughs> Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And he happens to figure it all out. Yeah, uh, that, that's enough to drive an audience. We know we need to get spirit. Will Wheaton on the show because I will defend Wesley in this episode against the guy who played Wesley. <laughs> okay. Commentary, Trek stars. There was an interview, I think, with, with JJ where they were talking to him and he was saying that, you know, oh, my, my dad was friends with Nicholas Meyer back in the day. I remember going to Meyer's house when I was a kid. And he saw he had a whole bunch of really cool things in his house, and I thought, I would like to break some of the things. Literary treks. But I do like I want to see cover. Spock with a perm. Oh, gosh. Well, I think I've got a Photoshop yeah. project in my future with this cover right here. Melodic treks. It's like, oh, this wow. happened. Oh, oh, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> it was. No it was joke. just that amazing. Is how she, uh, reacts. 
And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Let's tell everybody where they can contact us if they want to share their thoughts on any of the concepts that we talked about today. You can go to Trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand side of any column to send a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, or you can talk to us and our other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Uh, you can find me right here on trek.fm doing commentary Trek stars with Max. Um, this week is our 100th episode in which we will be covering... Robert Wise's work as an editor on Citizen Kane. So uh, look out for that. And then you can also find me on uh, my website, commentarytrackstars.com, where we do commentary track stars off topic. And you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. Are, are you guys going to do sound and music or just, just following his editing path? All we're going to do is look at citizen kane the one movie which he was nominated for for editing and the reason why we're doing it for our 100th episode is because for our 100th episode of commentary track stars we did a commentary for citizen kane so we thought it would be a nice parallel oh okay yeah i'll allow it thanks (laughs) thanks and you can find me on twitter at 005 d-o-u-b-l-e-o-f-i-v-e and on various other places around the internet before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible is something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? I have a book written by Nancy Reagan. Um, entitled Star Trek and History. Uh, The description says, For a series set in our future, Star Trek revisits the past constantly. Kirk and Spock battle Nazis, Roman gladiators, and witness the Great Depression. When they're not doubling back on their own earlier timelines, the crew uses the holodeck to spend time in the American Old West or Victorian England. Alien races have their own complex and fascinating histories, too. The Star Trek universe is a sci-fi imagining of a future world that is rooted in our own human history. Gene Roddenberry created a television show with a new world and new rules in order to comment on social and political issues of the 1960s. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And lastly, there's another way that you can help keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting the network directly through Patreon. Patreon.com slash trekfm is the place to go so that you can find uh, ways that you can donate, uh, pledge to donate monthly to help support the network, to cover the cost of bandwidth and hosting and all the other things that, that cost money for podcasts that we can't really cover ourselves. 
So uh, you'll, you'll find that there. There are different uh, reward levels depending on how much you pledge. And uh, some of them are really cool. Like you get exclusive access to our project page uh, where you can uh, interact with us directly and, and give us suggestions on, on possible topics and uh, sit in on recordings, uh, be on the show, uh, be mentioned as an associate producer of the show, all kinds of cool stuff. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash trekfm. Maybe for our bonus content for Patreon, we could do like uh, an alternate series where we talk about like a gangster show instead of the original series. Like maybe we do an Untouchables, like untouchable orbit or standard untouchable that doesn't work okay something (laughs) something something like that you know i could do that yeah if if it's available on netflix i'm not doing that but yeah we could do that but we're not going to no we'll think of something though yeah well everybody thanks for listening have a good week and keep on trekking it is the will of link mr Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead walk factor one Hi, sir.